we've begun a series called Matters of the Heart. And as we look at Matters of the Heart, we're going to be looking at different verses throughout Scripture that refer to, that teach us something about the human heart. There are a whole lot more verses than we're going to take time to look at, but I have chosen a few select verses about the human heart that I want us to look at over the next few weeks. And this morning, we're going to look at this powerful, deeply personal, life-changing prayer from David in Psalm 139. And as we look at it, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you more than perhaps we're used to, but I'm going to challenge you to pray a three-part prayer. The words are simple, meaning them may be more of a challenge than we're used to. But based on 139 in the book of Psalms, I'm going to challenge us to pray a three-point prayer, really. In 139, I, I, I hope that this week you'll take time to read the entire psalm. Read it slowly, word by word, line by line, think it through as you read it. But for our purposes, for the sake of time this morning, fast forward with me to verse 23. We get to 23, David prays this prayer, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Other than the prayer in which you first give your life to Jesus, other than that prayer, you will never pray a more personal or powerful prayer then Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Every once in a while, um, your car acts up. There's a light that comes on and it won't go off. There's, it makes a sound. It, it's not running right. Something's wrong. Now, most of us don't really know what to do about fixing that problem. So most of us take it to someone who may or may not have personal knowledge about how to fix it, but now what they do is they plug your car into the computer and the computer figures out what's wrong. The computer runs these diagnostics and the computer can figure out what's wrong with your car and tell you how to fix it. Same thing is true of uh, your computer at home especially you Windows users, things get all cattywampus. And that happens, you know, fairly regularly. And so how do you fix that? You tell your computer to run diagnostics. And your computer can kind of usually figure out what's wrong and let you know what's wrong, so then you can Google how to fix it. David, in this powerful prayer, and hopefully you and I throughout this week, 
basically pray and ask God, run some diagnostics. I know my heart's not right. Would you plug me in and run some diagnostics and see if you can figure out what's wrong and help me fix it? And so he begins that prayer in a way that I want to encourage you to begin yours this week. God, search me. It's, it can be a scary thing to go to God and say, God, I'm open. I'm an open book. I want you to look deep inside me and see what's really there. It's important that we pray this prayer, search me, oh God, because you and I have a way of deceiving ourselves. We want what's best for us, and we, and we think we know what's best for us, and so we deceive ourselves into thinking that we are doing what's best for us. And we all do this. This is a part of being, being a part of the, the fallen human family. And because we so easily deceive ourselves, we need to go to the one who understands us better than we understand ourselves and say to that omniscient one, would you do the searching? Because I will overlook what I don't want to see. And I will lie to myself about what I find there if I don't like it. I will make excuses about how it got there. I will postpone doing anything about getting rid of it. And so I don't want to depend on my interpretation of my heart. Instead, God, would you search me? After all, he is the designer. The creator understands his creation better than the creation understands the creator. He understands every part of who we are. And so there is no better option for us than to say to him, would you search me? And so in that first verse that we're looking at, 23, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. He had just spoken about some wicked people, the verses before that. He had spoken about some wicked people, and he, he basically, this is one of the reasons I love David. He talks about those wicked people who are, who are standing against God, they're enemies of God, and I love how David handles it. He says, God, get them. Just go get those wicked people. But then it's, it's almost like he takes a breath and he says, you know, while you're getting those wicked people, I want to make sure that I'm not in their camp. So would you search me and make sure there's nothing in me that you, need, that you need to fix and change and clean. You see, it is with God's help that the heart can be cleaned up, and it is only with God's help that it can be fixed. It's only God's help that the stuff in there that shouldn't be there can, 
can be removed. Robert Boyd Munger was a Presbyterian minister who preached most of his adult life, but just think of it in terms of he was preaching in the 50s. And one Sunday night, he presented a sermon that had such an effect on his congregation, although most of it was extemporaneous just from notes, it had such an effect on his congregation, they convinced him to write it down. And so he wrote down his Sunday night sermon, and it became a booklet. And that little booklet has become a classic in Christian literature. That little booklet has been read by tens of millions of people through the years. You may have even seen it. It was called My Heart, Christ's Home. And in My Heart, Christ's Home, a man invites Jesus to come and be his guest in his home. And Jesus comes in and they start in the living room and and the man looks around at his living room and he says, well, you know what? I didn't think about this until I invited Jesus in, but I, I really don't want Jesus seeing that picture I have on the wall. That's not, that's not the kind of thing that I want him to see in my life. And so he takes down the picture and he cleans up the magazines off the, off the coffee table. And, and over time they, they clean and they get comfortable in the living room and then they move to the dining room and the man thinks about his own appetites and what drives him in life and he realizes he's got to make some changes. And they go through the house And as they go through the house, changes are made and things are cleaned and everything in the whole house now is is straight and clean and, and, and he got rid of stuff that he shouldn't have and everything is is ready except there's one small closet at the top of the stairs on the second floor. And the man the man's not ready to open that closet. Jesus, you can hang out anywhere in the house. I've got you, you know, I've got everything ready for you, but, but just not that closet. And one day Jesus says to the man, I smell something dead in your house. I smell something dead, and I think that that, that dead thing is coming from that closet. Would you open that closet? And the man tells his story in the words of Munger in this way. It says, he says, it made me angry. That's the only way I can put it. I had given him access to the study, the dining room, the living room, the workroom, the rec room, the bedroom, the family room, the kitchen. And now he's asking about this little two-by-four closet. I said to myself, this is too much. I am not going to give him the key. Well... Christ responded, reading my thoughts. If you think I'm going to stay up here on the second floor with that smell, you're mistaken. I'll take my bed out to the back porch or somewhere else, and I'm certainly not going to stay around that. I saw him start down the stairs. When you have come to know and love Jesus Christ, one of the worst things that can happen is to sense him withdrawing his face and fellowship. I had to give in. I'll give you the key, I said sadly, but you'll have to open the closet and clean it out. I haven't the strength to do it. I know, he said. I know you haven't. 
Just give me the key. Just authorize me to handle that closet, and I will. So with trembling fingers, I passed the key over to him. He took it from my hand and walked over to the door, opened it, entered it, took out the putrefying stuff that was rotting there, and he threw it all away. Then he cleansed the closet and painted it and fixed it up all in a moment's time. Immediately, a fresh fragrance breeze swept through the house. The whole atmosphere changed. What release and victory to have that dead thing out of my life. No matter what sin or what pain there might be in my past, Jesus is ready to forgive, to heal, and to make whole. Friend, I just want to ask you this morning, does Jesus really have your whole heart? Or is that one little piece, that one little closet, just a little two-by-four closet, is that one little piece still full of secrets? You don't want to give Him access to that? That one little dead piece of your heart that you hope He won't notice? I love you enough to let you know He knows it's there. You can't hide it from him. What you can do, though, is trust in his mercy and say, Jesus, would you help me clean up that last little bit? Search me, O oh God. Find any wicked way that's still inside me. That can be a scary prayer, but if you're willing to pray it, it'll change your life and you'll see it's worth it. In Proverbs 28, listen to wisdom. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. When we ask him, search me, see what's there, I promise you it'll be worth it. The second part of our powerful prayer is simple as well. Try me. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. What does it mean to try me? He's saying, put me on trial. Now, when politics don't get in the way of the truth, trials are supposed to get us to the truth. When the system is allowed to work correctly, trials get us to the truth. And so he says, put me on trial. Bring the witnesses and the evidence. I'm ready, God. Let's see who I really am. Do you have the courage this morning to trust the Holy Spirit to empower you to say, God, let's see who I really am. It'll be the most powerful prayer you ever pray. Try me. You can do that if your desire is, is strong enough. If your desire to be real with yourself 
and real with God is stronger than your selfish, sinful desires, then you can honestly say, God, try me, and let's see who I am. David prayed a similar prayer in in Psalm 26. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. Look and see who I am, and then prove to me who I am. And then the third part of this powerful prayer, lead me. Six words make up a prayer that will change your life if you have the courage to pray it. Search me. Try me. Lead me. God, look inside and see if there's anything in there that shouldn't be there. And then try me so that I see who I really am. And then once we take care of all of that stuff and all of that history and all of that baggage, then God, lead me forward. He says in 24, see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to return to uh, Munger's little booklet because at the end, he has this conversation. He says, a thought came to me. I said to myself, I've been trying to keep this heart of mine clean and available for Christ, but it's hard work. I start on one room and no sooner have I cleaned it Then I discover another room is dirty. I begin in the second room, and the first one's already dusty again. I'm getting tired trying to maintain a clean heart and obedient life. I just am not up to it. Suddenly I ask, Lord, is there a possibility you would be willing to manage the whole house and operate it for me just like you did that closet? Could I give to you the responsibility of keeping my heart what it ought to be? and myself doing what I ought to be doing? I could see his face light up as he replied, I'd love to. That's exactly what I came to do. You can't live out the Christian life in your own strength. It's impossible. Let me do it for you and through you. There's only one way it'll work. But he said slowly, I'm not the owner of the house. Remember, I'm here as your guest. I have no authority to take charge since the property is not mine. In a flash, it all became clear. Excitedly, I exclaimed, Lord, you have been my guest and I've been trying to play the host. From now on, you are going to be the owner and master of the house. I'm going to be the servant. Running as fast as I could, I I, I went to the strong box. I took out the title deed to the house. Then rushing back to him, I eagerly signed it over, giving title to him alone for time and eternity. Dropping to my knees, I presented it to him. Here it is, all that I am and have forever. Now you run the house. Just let me stay with you as a houseboy and friend. He took my life that day, and I can give you my word. There's no better way to live the Christian life. Lord, search me. Look inside and see what's there. See the stuff that I've been trying to hide from myself and from you.
Lord, try me. Let's see who I really am once and for all. And then, Lord, lead me. Here is my heart. Here's my life. Here I am. In Psalm 86 at verse 11, he prays, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I love that word. Unite my heart. Because I've got, I've got part of my heart over here that's clean and healthy and happy. And man, it's, this, is, this is the big part of my heart. This is the heart I want everybody to see. And, and then I've got, I've got another piece of my heart over here. And, and I'm just in love I'm just in love with my wife, and, and this is her part of the heart, and, and I can't let anybody have this part of the heart. And, and over here, man, I just, I got to keep this part hidden. Because if anybody sees this part of my heart, then the one who has this part might not understand, and the people who see this part sure won't understand. I got to keep this part hidden. But because I keep this part hidden, I realize that it's, it's keeping me from being completely committed to Jesus. And so we don't have the relationship that he died that I could have. And so today I pray David's prayer, God, just unite my heart. Let there not be a part of it for them and a part of it for her and a part of it for us and a part. Just make me me. Unite my heart. By the way, did you know that the word integrity is the same word as integer? To be a man of integrity, to be a person with integrity, means that you are a whole number, that you are one. God, look inside, see what's there that is in the way. And God, I can't clean it up. I ask you to clean it. God, after we see what's there that is cleaned up, then just, just try me and let's see. Let's make sure I'm, I'm wholehearted. Let's make sure that I am who I say I am. And once we get all that settled and fixed and cleaned up, God, you lead. And I'll follow the rest of my life. I dare you to pray the most powerful personal prayer you've prayed since you gave your life to Jesus. I dare you.